But a man who is not dealing with the weather here in Louisville today is a man named Marty McGee. He's with uh, the Daily Racing Forum and very, very kind to join us this morning. Uh, Marty, uh, bleep you for the nice weather. How are you? Well, I'm doing good down here in the sunshine of Florida, Louie. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry you guys are having such trouble with the schools and the uh, Wolf. Yeah, schools closing and the wind and the storms. And my girlfriend's going to have to go out and pick up some sticks again tonight, I guess. So, I, was, uh, anyway. I was telling Dan, we live at the uh, like on a hill. And we have standing water in our backyard. That's not good, Marty. It's just not good. But the real problem is they got to pick five carryover at Turfway. I'm worried they're not going to be able to run in this wind. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody's worried about that. Right? <laughs> Fresh on everyone's mind. All right, so um, you know you're down there covering <clears throat> covering Gulfstream as you as you usually do. Um, any any trends stand out to you so far in the championship meet? Oh gosh, uh, just bet on the Ortiz brothers. I think it was yeah, two right. days ago that they won seven out of eight. Uh, Jose won three. I ran one four. I ran. Uh, I was writing some stuff for the. Uh, they're having a giant. Rainbow Six carryover here, force out that they got to pay it all out, and, and if it doesn't get hit today or tomorrow, they'll probably get ten to twelve million dollars in it. And I was I was writing about the six races that are involved this morning, and called Irad Ortiz Jr. the hottest jockey on the planet, which he is. So uh, that that's it, it. Kind of doesn't matter who the, who he's riding. Uh, he, it, it seems like he's coming in a lot, and uh, it's kind of reminiscent of our days back in uh, when Pat Davis around mm. Churchill Downs in Keeneland. It was just the first thing you do when you handicap a race is who is our red riding. <laughs> he, he, uh, and some of them, Marty, they're not all four to fives either. I mean, I've, I've seen him come in with a number of double-digit winners lately. Yeah, he had one, I think, about 12 to 1 the other day. And, uh, you know, but still... When he wins with a twelve twelve to one coach, it's uh, it's like the horse should have been thirty to one. So you're you're not getting the value on him, but you are getting him. <laughs> it's like Lynn Whiting used to say about Pat Day: he should have to give everybody five pounds when he when he mounts up. <laughs> Marty McGee with us at drf McGee on Twitter. If you are not following him, join nineteen thousand people um, who follow uh, Marty McGee on Twitter. Did you ever think there would be a thing like Twitter and that you would have nineteen thousand followers on it, Marty? It was hard to imagine it. You know, I walked into Pimlico Race Course on March 10th, 1985, not even thinking about that in my first day in, in this profession. So my my 38-year anniversary is coming up. I'm so old. I remember before Coach was pay, playing for the Colonels when they were playing on Walnut Street, now Muhammad Ali, uh, and uh, guys like Goose Ligon and Gene Moore, and, and of course, Louis Dampier and Daryl Carrier were on the team. <laughs> Boy, that that was a long time ago, Marty. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable card. What what is there like uh, seven or eight stake races uh, at at Gulfstream tomorrow? Nine. nine. Tomorrow we're having yeah we're having a fourteen race card that starts at eleven a.m. Eastern. Of course we're we're still in Eastern Louisville. It's funny though if you drive south down toward Bowling Green, you get in the Central Time. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Uh, 14 races, nine of them are stakes, eight of them are graded. The last of those is the Fountain of Youth. Uh, it goes at 5.43 uh, p.m. And uh, uh, like you said, we've had we've kind of been starved for some good horses around here lately, and that's what they do. They purposely uh, backload these cards onto Saturdays where everybody has a day off and they bet their brains out, and uh, they'll get like $40 million in handle tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but the Fountain of Youth, of course, a, a major stepping stone toward the May 6th Kentucky Derby. We've got the reigning divisional champion in Forte. He makes his three-year-old debut tomorrow. He's 
number four with the aforementioned Ired Ortiz Jr. Uh, in Porsche in post four in a field of ten three year olds in the Fountain of Youth. So the Fountain of Youth stakes, uh, if people are wondering, and Marty McGee with us from the Daily Racing Forum. Um, is a 50-point race. Essentially, if you're healthy and you win this race, you're probably qualifying for the 20-horse field uh, for the Derby. Uh, Simplification won this race last year uh, for Antonio Sano, and of course, an Ortiz brother was on him. Uh, uh, It's not necessarily a great predictor of Derby winners, but lots of very good horses have come out of this race. Gunavera, Mohamed, uh, Code of Honor. Um, Simplification, frankly, has, has won really well. Last winner, Dan, do you happen to know the last Fountain of Youth winner that went on to win the Kentucky Derby? Uh, I do not. 2013, Orb, um, of all things. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, how about yeah. that? A little John Velasquez. Um, do you, is anybody in this race tomorrow that can be a Derby winner? Oh, my gosh. We, you've got Forte, and you've got a Chad Brown horse named Blazing Sevens, who won the Champagne last year. But you're right, Louie. I mean, once you once you uh, get to – it'll be nine weeks from tomorrow to the Kentucky Derby. Right. And it seems like the Fountain of Youth becomes somewhat of a distant memory – by the time we get to that point, so th- there's a number of un- uh, a, a number of forgettable winners who have won this race in recent years. But uh, before Orb in 2013, the the last Fountain of Youth winner to go and win the Derby was, was Sundra Gulch back mm. in 1995. For uh, Mike Smith actually wrote him in that. Gary Stevens, of course, wrote him in the Kentucky Derby. But uh, that was one of Dwayne Lucas's four winners uh, of the uh, of the Kentucky Derby. Marty, you were talking about Pat Day and and Lynn Whiting and uh, and and days days of old. I mean, it used to be horses would start four, five, six times before they got to the first Saturday in May. Now it, it seems like a two a two race prep is about all these people want anymore. Is that good or bad for horse racing? I guess it's good. I I don't know, but. I, I remember in the Churchill Downs press box, the one that they tore down, uh, they used to maintain a book of charts of all the derby starters, and you could go back like into the 60s and yeah. 70s and look at uh, how many starts these horses would have. And they'd have like 13 as a two-year-old and then seven more as a uh, as a three-year-old. I, I remember Snow Chief from back, back in 86. He won both the Florida Derby and the Santa Anita Derby, which is, <laughs> would be unheard of now because they're scheduled so close together. But yeah, it's like they've gotten away from three preps back to only two, and I would imagine that Todd Fletcher right now with Forte, he's going to run him once here, and then he'll run him in either probably the Bluegrass, I would guess, since he won both the Breeders' Futurity and the Breeders' Cup Juvenile right. at Keeneland. Or if he runs big tomorrow, he might just keep him here and run him in Florida Derby if he shows that he likes the Gulfstream track. But uh, getting back to your point, Coach, it's, it's just like uh, the methods have changed, the philosophies have changed. It's a different ball game from what we grew up in. Uh, Marty McGee with us, DRF McGee on Twitter. Go find him there. Uh, it doesn't apply to the Fountain of Youth tomorrow, Marty, but around the country, four fifty-point preps uh, tomorrow, including the Fountain of Youth, of course. We're seeing the Tim Yachtin runners who were previously in the Baffert barn. I am of the opinion that last year when he had that 90-day ban, when he actually had to not be at the track, it affected the Yachtin runners um, I think this year with him actually being at Santa Anita, being able to watch works and those sorts of things, even though whatever the technical rules are about him helping out with the training, I think him being on site is is a bigger is going to be helpful for those hopeful runners that are in these 50-point races. Do you agree with me? Do you think it's different than last year, or should we expect similar results to what we saw last year? Oh, gosh. I hadn't even thought of that, Louie. Um, That's why they pay me the big bucks, buddy. 
But, yeah, Bob, Bob Baffert, nonetheless, uh, if you want to call them Yachtin horses or Baffert horses, they've got a strong hand. They have Arabian Knight, yeah. who's one of the favorites right now. They have a horse named Reincarnate. Uh, they have a horse named Cave Rock. They have one named uh, National Treasure. And I think there's about a half dozen of them, actually. So uh, whatever the case, and it's going to be, you know, these have been such weird times with the uh, the, I mean, we haven't had a normal derby since 2016. 2017, you had always dreaming over a really sloppy track. Yep. 18 was justifiable in a downpour. 19 was maximum security in the, in the, the sloppy track in a DQ. And then 2020 was the COVID year. 2021 was Medina Spirit. Last year, we had some bomb come in that, you know, he hasn't <laughs> won a race since then. Although Eric Reed's a pretty good friend of mine. Um, but anyway, this is going to be another one in that the whole Baffert issue, yep. Baffert slash Yakin is going to dominate it. And uh, it would not surprise me if they had three or four runners and we're going through the same stuff about the Medina Spirit uh, fiasco. It's still in the courts, probably will be a couple more years. So uh, I'd like to get back to normal at one point if we can uh, with the Kentucky Derby. I just assume once John Asher died, we'd never have a normal derby again. Well, it has held true, and he's up there watching and, and kind of chuckling. Marty, uh, as we said, a great undercard for the Fountain of uh, Fountain of Youth tomorrow. One race, uh, because he's a good friend of mine, that I'm really interested in is the Philly race, uh, uh, Oaks points on the line. And it looks like Rusty has got a, a serious Oaks contender here in Red Carpet Ready. He does, and I wrote about her at length, Dan, uh, in the Daily Racing Forum for, in the Saturday editions, oh. uh, quoting the owner, uh, Glenn Bo Bromagen, uh, who co-owns the uh, Red Carpet Ready. She's not lost yet in three starts. She kind of has a look as a two-speedy filly who won't uh, run as well when the, when the distances stretch out like they are tomorrow to a mile. Uh, he disagreed with me, says I've heard people <laughs> saying that, but she does have the pedigree. And uh, Rusty has trained her, uh, watched her carefully, and thinks that she will be able to get a distance of ground. So I'm rooting for her because I'm a big Rusty Arnold fan myself. All right. Yeah, I, I, I am too. And the, the thing that's unbelievable is this filly has made three starts. She's undefeated. and But she is. I mean, uh, Oscar performance out of a street sense mare, she ought to be able to go to two chairs. In fact, you know, the fact that she broke her maiden sprinting at six furlongs is amazing to me. But th- th- this is something when I handicap, I love this. Looking at the buyer's figures, her buyers have gone 68, 78, 87. That's a real nice progression. Yeah, it is. And it takes about 100 to win the Kentucky Oaks. After they run here, they're going to go in the Ashland, which is on the okay. first Saturday of the King of the Spring meet at, on April 8th. And then from there, the Kentucky Oaks. And then uh, I think it was five years ago that Rusty and uh, Ashbrook Stable, which is Bo Bromagen, uh, upset the Ashland with Wheat No More. Uh, yep. She was like 30 to 1 in a five horse field and, and came through. Uh, but they're trying to do a repeat with uh, with Red Carpet Ready. All right, so Dan and I have a disagreement, uh, Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum, uh, about how to name horses. I think when your dad is Oscar Performance, Red Carpet Ready is a terrific name. Dan would have named this horse something like Hot Brown Sandwich. Uh, who do you agree with, me or Dan? <laughs> I, sorry, Coach, I'm going to go with <laughs> I think I think actually we're going to find out that Red Carpet Ready is a, is a miler, and I think something like the Acorn is an excellent target for her this year, uh, the one-turn mile up at Belmont. Um, 
Marty, are you a distance person or a turns person or both? Because I've seen people say, oh, two-turn mile is the same as a one-turn mile. I'm a turns person. Um, I disagree with those people. Are you a distance or a turns person? I am a turns person. Okay. Yeah, I think a one-mile uh, two-turner is a lot different than a – that flat mile out of the chute there at Churchill and here at Gulfstream, it's a grueling race, and yep. it's got a different different dynamic to it. Yeah. Marty, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Uh, it, it's amazing to me how all of the good horses seem to find their way to such a few number of trainers. I mean, you've got you've got Baffert, who you mentioned, Pletcher, uh, Chad Brown. Uh, I, I guess that uh, Cox now, uh, Brad Cox has joined that group. Do you, do you think the is it good for horse racing that we have all these? Uh, not all have a few trainers that seem to get all the good horses you know what it seems like it's more pronounced now uh more now than ever it, it, yeah. it has always kind of been like that to a certain degree you always had the one guy had more than the other i, I mean i've kind of got a little something of a personal stake in it and that my brother paul mcgee he's won more than a thousand races he's done great with stakes horses won grade ones all than that but the knockers the uh the owners are not knocking on his door as much as they would and if any kind of good horse for any kind of quote-unquote smaller trainer uh, turns over the good horse you, you've got uh, bloodstock agents blowing up their phone trying to buy it and then ultimately turn it over to a guy like brad cox or todd fletcher or whomever and uh that's just the way it goes it's the it's up to the owners that they choose i have a certain theory coach that uh if if a guy who has a lot of money buys a horse, he's asked who's the best in the business. So you get those names, the Bafferts and the Pletchers and the Chads. And uh, then if the horse doesn't turn out, they can always say, well, I, I got the best in the business and it just didn't work out. And so I think that's part of the reasoning that some of, the guys, some of these guys do get as many horses as they do. Marty McGee with us. He's down at Gulfstream Park. We are previewing uh, Fountain of Youth Day. Let's go ahead and get into that race, Marty. Um, you mentioned a couple of horses here. We've actually seen in some of the preps uh, recently that the horses coming off layoffs from their two-year-old seasons, even if they were impressive in the two-year-old season, haven't fired early on in these races. Um, I think Instant Coffee is like the one exception to that. Forte and Blazing Sevens do fall into that. Is there a reason to look at a horse like a Rocket Can or a Mage tomorrow? I think there is. Maybe not them, but uh, Forte is by violence. So that just screams to me, sprinter slash miler, even though he did win twice going a mile and 16th at Keeneland. I, I still think that at some point down the road, uh, his pit, his pedigree will, will come out. So um, we did have, I had put some on Twitter a couple of days ago about General Jim, number one in mm-hmm. here. Uh, he missed his scheduled workout last week at, last weekend for Shug McGahee. Uh, he was kind of skeptical whether or not he was actually going to run. So do not be surprised the number one, General Jim, who is a six-to-one third choice in the race, is scratched. Um, but as far as, uh, as long shots, I would love to see Cyclone Miss just redeem himself. Coach, I know you and Dale have been close over the years. You had uh, He's trained horses for you. Uh, he, gave, he gave him no real excuse for his seventh-place finish in the Holy Bull. But uh, Dale did win this race a few years ago with with uh, promises fulfilled i'd love to see this horse just go on and get out there and and, and run a big race uh that cyclone mischief number nine with tyler De- gaffley so uh he would be my long shot pick in here 
Marty, you mentioned Dale, and uh, I don't know if you if you wrote the story or not, but uh, Dale has lost a hundred and forty pounds. I, I guess he had the the surgery on the stomach. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I went up to I snuck up on him a couple mornings ago <laughs> and, uh, on the backside and gave him a kiss on the cheek. He smelled like a cigar. Because he can't eat, so he's he's smoking these cigars at all times, which is a great way to, to keep losing weight, I guess. He looks great. He's he's looked better than he has in many years, and uh, good for him. They quit drinking, Dan. Uh, what uh, he was on? Uh, we 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 carry uh, 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 Mike show on uh, Mike Pettis show on on Saturdays here, and uh, he does the final segment with uh, with Tim Wilkin, which is always fun, and. Uh, he said he quit drinking, and and Tim asked him, "Will you have a Will you have a beer if you win the Derby?" And he goes, "Of course, I'm having a beer if I win the Derby." <laughs> what are we doing here? He might he might have more than a beer. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the race before the Fountain of Youth, and Marty McGee with us from the DRF uh, DRF dot com. Go check out all their stuff. And if you're in Louisville, man, DRF is available lots of places. Uh, my my liquor store on the corner, Evergreen Liquors, is uh, one of those spots. So go up. Uh, always a nice read. Nice to have that physical form too, Dan. Uh, to have Absolutely, that, yeah, I've got to have. It. I even if I've got it on my iPad, I print it out. Oh, you, I, you know, awesome. hard to teach an old dog. <laughs> and uh, so the Mac uh, Diramita is the is the race before that. It's a marathon race going three turns on the turf course there. It, with the installation of the tapita, it did change the the sort of nature of the turf course there. Um, I, I I I try to find two horses in these kinds of races, Marty. One that's going to be on the lead and could just get out front, stay out front, and one that I I trust to either close or to be a stalker. Um, I landed on astronaut before they um, before they came out with the morning line with Luis Saez. Um, who else do you like in that race? I like value engineering. I think Mike Maker. He has been so tough, not only in Kentucky but down here in Florida in these uh, marathon turf races for older horses. And value engineering got beat by his Maker stablemate Red Knight. Who is not running in this race? He's waiting for the uh, for the uh, race on Florida Derby Day down here. Red Knight anyway, might be the most underrated horse in North America. Yeah, I think I, he's nine years old now. It's but, unbelievable. Uh, he's great. Yeah, but Value Engineering made a huge move in that race, and it looked like he was a winner and deep stretch until Red Knight went by him. But uh, I think off that race and with Maker in his quarter, I'm going to go with Value Engineering. Nice. Marty, as far as I'm concerned, you have the greatest job in the world. <laughs> it's uh, up there. You get to spend spend the winters at Gulfstream. When will you be headed back to to Kentucky at the at the beginning of the Keeneland meet? Well, I've been coming down here since uh, 1996. I used to I went to Oakland for four years. I worked for the Forum for more than 30 years now. And before that, of course, I was with the Baltimore Sun for seven. So I've done it, like I said, 38 years. And uh, I appreciate you saying that, Coach. I think I'm going to write a book about it one day and just uh, kind of detail all my uh, memoirs, et cetera, but, uh, including going to the CU play the New Orleans Buccaneers and the Floridians and the Memphis Tams. So, you know, <laughs> St. Louis spirit. But, uh, uh, who, was, who was the fellow that played? What about John Brisker? Was he pretty tough to play against for the Pipers? Well, thank goodness he was a guard, but I, I remember he used to beat poor Louie up. I mean, Louis had no the Louis had no shot against Brisker. This show, yeah. there's more Louis Dampier slander on this show than than anywhere else in the world. That poor guy, that's yeah, such an easy target. <laughs> what about Daryl Carrier shooting, uh, jump shooting his free throws? I, I always love that. But, uh, but Dar- no, I'm, Dar- coming, I'm 
I'm coming home in three weeks. Uh, Dave Grinning, my New York colleague, yeah. uh, we, we established a, a pattern years ago where he gets to come down. I take the ball down to the three-yard line. He carries it over the goal line for, with the Florida Derby. And I'm back watching basketball and getting ready for Keeneland. Now, here's here's something I did not know about you. You lived in Baltimore for seven years? So, yeah, I wrote for the Baltimore Sun from 85 till early 92 and then joined the forum in May of 92. My first gig was at Monmouth Park. And I wish they'd run the Breeders' Cup there again because oh, the one in '07 was an aberration. It's a it's a magnificent facility. Yep, the way yep. the Gulfstream down here used to be, and everybody loved it. Now, not so much. But uh, anyway, yeah, I've been a number of places there, Coach. Yeah, I, I, I fortunately I was in Baltimore for only ten days, so <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to guess that's better than being there seven years. Marty, I yeah, am on I am on record, man. There's nothing better than covering the Preakness, the 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 barn, yeah. the the just how easy it is to get around Pimlico. I I think I think it's just wildly underrated. And if you're a fan of horse racing, you can fly from here to Baltimore, get a hotel, rent a car, and it's cheaper to go to the Preakness than it is to go to the Derby. Oh, it's uh, it's such an easy flight on Southwest. Yes, not to go there. But I yeah, refer I, to that uh, that one way flight on Sunday morning as the horse racing glitterati flight. Do you agree with me? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like an eight ten flight back. Yeah, yeah. it's brutal. But, uh, it, when I was Everybody's on it. When I was when I was writing for the Sun, I, I lived in Columbia, Coach, which was about twenty five minutes from Baltimore, about twenty five minutes from Pimlico, and about uh, fifteen minutes from Laurel Park. And of course, all the horsemen and fans uh, preferred Laurel because it was just kind of a, a nicer facility. But uh, uh, well, a lot I, of great. Lot, I still have great friends in Maryland. Wait, I have to tell you, I was I was a member of the Baltimore Claws for ten days. And everybody, it was the old Memphis franchise, and they had a bunch of veteran guys, and Joe Mullaney was our coach. And we all knew it was just a matter of time before it it, it ceased to exist. And so instead of having two-a-days like you would in a normal training camp, we'd practice once in the morning, and then four or five of us would go to Bowie Racetrack in the afternoon. <laughs> I love it. I, you know, for years I had a keychain. The last day of Bowie, which was in uh, July of 85, they gave away keychain vials with the sand from the track in it. I, I've somehow lost it over the years. Oh, wow. Cool. All right. Well, since since uh, you have all of the Maryland connections, will you be at the Preakness this year? I doubt it. I don't okay. know. I, I, I might. I, I begged out of it last year, and I might this year. I'm I'm getting to where I'll be 64 in November. I'm getting kind of tired. So uh, right. maybe uh, maybe some of the younger DRF guys will, will fill in for me. Well, I, oh, I feel so <laughs> sorry for you, Marty. Well, I'll wait be there. Till you're yeah. seven, wait till you're 74. <laughs> <laughs> Plus the burden of being Dan Issel. I mean, just the, the, the horrible, you know, NBA pension burden that, that is Dan Issel. There, there's a, there's a, a, a good chance that I will be at Keeneland for the Ashland and for the Bluegrass, so I'll see you there, Marty. Very good. Can't wait. Coach. All right, and before we let him go, Marty McGee, DRF McGee on Twitter, I wanted to give a personal thank you. Um, something happened in my broadcasting uh, life this past fall, which was that uh, my, my co-host, uh, Mike Gandolfo, and I from our Horse Racing Happy Hour podcast were both voted into the National Turf Riders and Broadcasters, and I know that Marty was one of the voices in the room that was in favor of us joining, and um, I know the podcast thing is is um, kind of a foreign thing for lots of people, but I know Marty was one of the voices that was very supportive of us. And so, Marty, I wanted to publicly uh, thank you for that. And it was nice to run into you both at Breeders' Cup and then later in the meet at Churchill in November. So uh, just a personal thanks from me. 
where you belong. Appreciate it very much. All right, Marty McGee, DRF McGee. Thanks, Marty. DRF.com. Go find all their stuff. Go buy that paper copy this weekend as we get into, I mean, four 50-point races, people. Get all that information that you can. Marty, we appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, guys.